This is the People in Their Work podcast. I am Professor Doug Gardner in the Student Leadership and Success Studies Department at Utah Valley University. In this podcast, you will hear the first-person stories of people journeying through their education, work, and career decision-making. episode of the People in Their Work podcast, we will hear from Marsha Judkins, a Utah State legislator. Marsha shares her story of math, motherhood, political science, education, school board, and serving on the Utah State Legislature. Driving over here, I was thinking, what, what am I going to do with my life? Where do I want to go from here? And I don't, I don't know that we ever have it completely figured out. Some people do. I mean, my husband's been doing the same job forever. He's been at the same, well, it's not the same job, but he's been in the same company and he's you know moved around and different things but he is 60 now and he he wants a career change sometimes we think oh what's happening to me right now isn't a big deal or you know I'm lost or I don't know what I'm doing but all the experiences that we have lead us to where we're going and I'm the oldest daughter of seven children my dad was a high school math teacher my mom got a degree in elementary education but then she stayed home to raise her kids we talked a lot in our family about math and also about politics Uh, those were probably the two well besides yelling and screaming and fighting and everything else that seven kids do but those we had um, it was kind of fun we didn't have a very big house but we had a, a chalkboard in our kitchen and we would sit around the table at dinner time and do math problems up on the chalkboard. So I was the oldest daughter, but I had two older brothers. I always wanted to be better than them. I had this, this thing. I think back then, I'm, I'm 57, so I was born in 1964. Women didn't have the same opportunities then as they do now. I always, even just my brothers being in Cub Scouts and just everything like that, it seemed like they got to do more things and they had more, more things they could do in the future. And I, I always wanted to show that I was as good as they were, but actually better than they were. And I, I ran faster. I would hit them harder. There was this competition with, with math, and I, I, I wanted to understand it. Right now, I'm an adjunct professor at UVU in developmental math, and I'm also a state legislator. I'm not a natural at math. I'm not, I, I, do, I do love how it fits together and how it works out, and, and it taught me how to think and to organize my thoughts better because, as you can tell probably as I tell my story, I'm not naturally an organized thinker. It taught me the beauty of, of taking something and finding an answer and a solution and, and also making mistakes, and that's okay, just keeping on working at it until you can get to an answer. Because some of these problems, it would take us a long time to figure out, and we would make lots of mistakes. As I got older, though, I, I didn't think I wanted to be a math teacher because my dad had to deal with the politics of, of parents and students and administration. And by the end of the school year, he was always ready to pull his hair out. And it didn't make very much money. So I thought I wanted to be a lawyer. I thought a corporate lawyer would give me power and prestige and money. And I could be smart and all those things. So that was kind of my goal. But also... I had a really strong desire to have kids and be a parent. In those days, I think more so than now, it was almost seen as a binary choice. Like it would be very difficult to do both of those things. I was pressured, or I felt like I had pressures. I did have pressures from society and from my family and from my religion to be a stay-at-home mom and, you know, get married, be a mom and have kids. And so I kind of had this competing thing. I did go to BYU, still with my thoughts of being this lawyer going to law school and instead I got married and I started having kids right away I ended up with seven kids I 
quit going to college after my second year. I was majoring in math, and then I changed my major to music, and I don't know, I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do. I had a baby. It was just really difficult, and so I quit going to school. I was kind of very frustrated because I gave up a scholarship. It was just really hard, a hard time for me. I kept trying to get back into school, and I did actually graduate when my fifth child was a year old. The way I picked my major at that point was I just looked for what's the shortest major? Like how can I get out of school the quickest? And it was between economics and political science. And honestly, I didn't even know what economics was. And so I thought, well, I don't think I'll do that one because I don't know what it is. I'll do political science because I do love politics. And my family had always been involved in politics. I graduated in political science, and then I was this stay-at-home mom to seven kids. But I also am a very restless person. I started getting involved in my community. I was the neighborhood chair in our over our neighborhood for Provo City. Go to school board meetings and city council meetings and try to be a voice there. Also, with my kids, they, I don't know what about the soup of my husband and my DNA, some of them had a lot of um, difficulties and, and, you know, personality issues and were diagnosed with many different kinds of things. And, and my boys especially had a really hard time in school. My oldest son dropped out of school when he was a sophomore. And it was just really hard for them to assimilate into what school wanted them to do no matter how hard they tried. Well, they didn't try very hard, I must say. Didn't seem like it anyway. I would go try to work with the school and the administration and the school board, and I felt like I got just a lot of um, pushback that if I was a better parent, then my child wouldn't act like this, or uh, why don't you try teaching your kid responsibility, and then we wouldn't have to. I felt like they weren't taking any responsibility, and I knew, and, and he was on a 504 accommodation plan, which was federally mandated. They were supposed to be taking care of this kid, and they refused, and so, I went to the school board and felt like I got nothing back from them either. And I had, this wasn't just, my oldest child had this, these issues, but other kids subsequently had some of these same problems. And at the same time, they were talking about building a school down in my neighborhood. And so I did all this work trying to get the um, data and different things to the board so that we could get the school built. It ended up, they took all the data and all the work that I did and then built the school somewhere else. And my kids were still being bused. I was just super frustrated with how my interactions with the school board and so I thought, well, I want to run for school board. I want to make a difference here. I also felt like I didn't have the qualifications necessary because I'd been a stay-at-home mom my whole life and just with certain part-time jobs to try to bring in a little extra money here and there. And I want to talk about that in a minute. But because of that, I went back to school and I got a master's degree in public administration. And then I felt like, okay, now I have something behind me so that people will believe that I'm capable and I could be a school board member. I ran for the school board and I made it and I was in there for four years and I do feel like I made a difference. And the reason I feel like I made a difference is because of the experiences I had with my family and with my kids. And because I was working in schools, I had been a PTA president and I worked on community councils and I was really involved in the school. That had nothing to do with my corporate experience or a job experience. And yet I feel like my experiences that I had, and I feel like women face this all the time, women who stay home and raise their kids, their experiences are looked at as less than. They aren't seen as valuable. It's unpaid experience and we tend to only value experiences that were paid for. Even though moms have to figure out conflict resolution, they have to figure out budgets, they have to figure out scheduling, they have to multitask, they have to do all of these things, or dads that stay home too, or even just dads in general and moms in general, whether they have jobs or not, 
the experiences you have as a parent and being at home or the experience you have taking care of your parent, like whatever experiences you have that are unpaid labor are just as valuable, if not more valuable, than the experiences you're gonna have when you're in a paid job. And I feel like society doesn't see that. I've come to that realization more and more because then after I did the school board thing, as I was on the board, I realized, hey, we don't have as much power as you know, over what we're trying to do here as I would like. A lot of this is mandated from the state legislature. And when I would work with the legislature, my interactions with my legislator and with my senator and others at the state level was they were very dismissive of public education. And I felt like there was not good communication. There wasn't good understanding between public education and the legislature. And here it was the legislature that was making the laws and rules that were governing what we could do in public education. I thought that maybe my perspective would be valuable at the legislative level. And I, and so that's what led me to decide to run for the state legislature. You know, I never started off thinking that I would do that. But of course, <laughs> as a child, I already told you I wanted power and prestige and all this stuff. Once you get somewhere, you realize, ah, this isn't that powerful and this isn't that prestigious <laughs> Anyway, but it is fun, and I, it's, it does put you in a position where you can have some influence, and um, maybe not as much influence as you would like, but I kind of am a really big believer of the butterfly effect, I guess, where even small things can make big changes down the road. Small conversations that I have with my fellow legislators, I hope, can lead to changes in attitude. And, and I've seen it already, not just from me, but from other legislators too, who are working to try to give a voice to public education and other issues that are important. I've seen a shift in the legislature. That's been good. I guess I can talk too about how I kind of got to be this adjunct professor at UBU. I was a, a children's librarian. After I got my master's degree, I, uh, I needed to pay back my student loans. I got a job at the Provo Library as a children's librarian, that was such a fun job. You needed a master's degree to have that job. They would have preferred if I had one in library science, which I didn't. But because I had all these little kids, except they were bigger now, I knew children's books. Like, I read children's books. I loved children's books from picture books clear to teen stories. And so when I went in for my interview, we could talk books all day long, and I knew authors and different things. And that was because of my experience as a mom with these kids, and that's why I got the job. And it was a wonderful job. I only had that job for less than a year because one of my um, sons was having some real issues and I needed to stop and take care of those to help him to deal with some of those problems. And so I had to quit. Didn't have my loans completely paid off by then. And so I have a sister you know, it's always who you know, too. <laughs> so I have a sister. Well, my dad is a math teacher. His neighbor was an administrator for Fortis College, which is a, a college that teaches nursing and dental assisting and dental hygienists. They needed a math tutor. And so my sister, who also loved math but hadn't graduated math, she graduated in Spanish, she was tutoring math there, but then they their professor quit. And so she said, hey, my sister... They needed someone who had a master's degree. Of course, my master's degree was not in math, but I had stayed fairly current on math with tutoring and different stuff. I still really liked it. And I had majored in math and well, I, for a while, and so then I had a minor in math. So I went, and they were pretty desperate, I guess, 
and they hired me. And I had actually applied at UVU several times to see if I could teach here in a, several different colleges and had never gotten a job here, which would have been perfect because I just live 10 minutes away. I started teaching math at Fortis College. I was the only math professor there. And so I had to do the curriculum. I had to do everything. And it was just like a week before the semester was going to start. I love challenges like that. Put it all together. And it was so fun. I loved it. It was me teaching Math 1010 and some 1050. I just loved it. I did that for about a year and a half. And then there was a serendipitous event that the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints changed their mission age. And so all these young men who had left early on missions from Utah or wherever else were streaming home needing and they needed refreshers in math. And so UVU hired me. Like they they dug up my old <laughs> resume, I guess. And um, now, I guess it wasn't my old resume, but I, now I had had current experience teaching at a, on a college level math. And so they hired me to teach developmental math here at UVU. It has been such a fun experience. I really love it. I love teaching and I love teaching the math. My favorite thing is when I'm explaining something and a light bulb goes off in a student's face. And they're like, I never knew why we had to do that. Now I get it. I just love that. Coronavirus has made that really awful. I'm really looking forward to being able to see my students' faces up close and real without masks on or not across Zoom. That'll be really, really great. Now, where I'm at, I just got elected to my second term in the legislature last year, and we only go get two years, and so I've got this year, and then I have to run again next year. One of the classes in my master's degree, they talked about different types of people, and, and you know, they, all these different classifications. You can take tests about your personality, and there are different things like that, but these four classifications kind of stuck out to me, and I can only remember two, because one was my husband, and one was me, and it was a cheetah and a beaver, and my husband is a beaver. Like, he works, he is a worker. You put him on a task and he does it. And he likes stability. He likes, he just, he just works hard. He cleans up his messes. It's insane. You know, I'll, I'll make something and I think, yeah, I'll clean that up later or whatever. He works until it's done. And then he cleans it all up. He's just a beaver and gets it done. And then I'm a cheetah where I have these really great ideas. I'm really an idea person and a problem solver. And I run with the the solution to my problem and then and then I'm done I'm tired and I don't want to work on that anymore and give me another problem and then I'll solve that problem with the school board it was like that where I did it for four years and it was fantastic and great and I loved it and then I just didn't want to do it anymore I was done and the legislature they're like what's next what can I do next I've been trying to figure out do I want to run again but the reason I would want to run again is because of that perspective thing. And in the legislature, it's a Republican majority, and there's only eight Republican women in the legislature. That's the high, I mean, we have the most women in the legislature right now than we've ever had. But if women are not in places where they can make help to make decisions, then that perspective is completely left out. That's part of why we're at where we're at right now. We do a lot of things well here in Utah. We have really good, great roads and we have good infrastructure, and we have our budgets, or you know, we, we do great with our budgets, but we have homeless problem, we have mental illness problem, we have suicide problem, we have all these soft problems, things that you can't 
fixed with a hammer and nailed. We need people in these decision-making places that see the suffering that our families are going through and what kids need. It's not like the men who are there aren't concerned about that, but they don't have the same depth of experience and they don't look at problems in the same way. I think we really need women to see themselves as decision makers, to see themselves as full members of society. And I think we're doing better at that now, but we still have mindsets and biases that defer to men. Whenever I see somebody new running for office, it's almost always a man. And I'll say, why isn't your wife running? And they look at me like, are you what? And their wife's like, oh, I couldn't do that. And I'm like, why couldn't you? Why couldn't you do that as well as your husband? Your qualification is your life experience. And you both have life experience, but we have enough of the white male life experience at the legislature. What we need are some, some other voices, some other diverse voices that can step in and fill in the gaps that we haven't been filling in this state. One of the things that um, I've seen pushed a lot, both when I was on the school board and you know in the legislature and just in life, are STEM, STEM, STEM. You know, get women involved in STEM professions and going to school in STEM. And I think that that is really important. We we need women in every profession, right? Women, go be plumbers, go be electricians, be coders, be, I don't know, be presidents of companies, be, be everything. But one of the problems is if we, if we push, push, push these technical and mathematical and science and different professions all the time, who's going to do the other stuff? Part of the problem is, a big problem I see, is that we don't value the work that women have traditionally done. We have women social workers. You know, these are fields that women tend to go into. It's not like men don't go into them, but women have tended to be educators. Women have tended to be social workers. They've tended to take care of family and elderly and disabled and things like that. And, and whether that's socialized or whether it's something inherent in our DNA, I don't know. But ever since the beginning, fields that women have been in, we don't value and we underpay. And, and it's back in the day, that was intentional. We didn't want women to be able to be independent. They needed to depend on a man or a family or something like that. They were property, they were owned, they were whatever. And we have changed a lot of our attitudes, but we haven't changed how much we value what women do. That's even seen because women have traditionally been the ones to stay at home, take care of aged parents, to do, to do this unpaid labor. And that's why we don't value it, because we don't pay for it. I'd like to see us start valuing the unpaid labor that women do not necessarily pay them for it, but start valuing it as labor. Being, You should be able to put that onto a resume. You should, you know, it, it's part of who you are and part of your life experience and has made you a better person and more qualified. But also, these jobs that we underpay, we need to start valuing them as much as we value someone who, you know, builds a road. We actually, in state government, we pay more for someone standing with the flag diverting traffic than we do to the DCFS frontline caseworker who has a bachelor's degree who is deciding whether a child is going to stay with a family or be taken away. They make less than $16 an hour. Appalling. And I have fought for raises for these workers and these employees in the state government. I don't have time to tell you all the pushback that I received. We are finally starting to move in that direction. I'm like... <laughs> been told I'm really annoying. They don't say it like that. They say, you're so persistent. We need to start valuing the good work that women and men do in these fields that have traditionally not been seen. We don't value them financially or, I guess, uh, monetarily. 
And so to me, that's really important. Yes, women should be everywhere. We should be doing STEM fields. We should be doing everything, right? We should be everywhere. But, but we also shouldn't be saying, but go there and forsake this other work that's so important, you know? We need to value it all. I am Doug Gardner, and this has been the People in Their Work podcast. Music by Christopher Weiss. Images are from the UVU Roots of Knowledge stained glass exhibit by Holdman Studios.